Feeling better for me is top priority, mentally, physically, and emotionally. They all work together. Talking about the things that we all may experience, but just don't quite know how to say, really opens up some new dialogue and perspective. That's the goal here. Sometimes you gotta see yourself a little bit better and leave yourself alone because there are other people who see you for exactly who you are. And that's all good. We stay elevated here. But even Dr. Jekyll had a dark side. I mean, who doesn't love a good story to make the hairs on their arms stand up? I started to walk a little faster, just figuring if it was probably someone trying to scare me. It was like a hazing, but this didn't feel right. Night Owl is the hangout for those horror fans looking for a little bump in the night. Monday motivation, Friday frights. We like balance here, and the Bird Brain Podcast has it all. Take flight. Sleep tight. Before we get started, got to thank my new Patreon subscribers. We got Dustin Anderson and Josh Myers. Thank you, fellas. I greatly appreciate it. I hope you're enjoying the, the backlog of content on Patreon. For anybody else who wants to subscribe, uh, it's $1 a month. I do have like a $5 tier for episodes that are over an hour long. You know, to be perfectly honest with you, all bullshit aside, I really don't enforce that. If 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 an episode's going to be two or three hours, I'll either split it up in parts or I'm still going to charge you a dollar a month. You know what I mean? So it's it's not that big a deal. Uh, but I do got to thank you guys. I greatly appreciate that. The next episode on Patreon that's going to be coming up is Sammy the Bull Gravano. So that'll be a pretty badass episode that'll be coming out here in the next week. I wanted to get this episode out first because uh, it was a last minute suggestion, actually a re-suggestion. It's been, it's been uh, suggested a couple times for a couple years. <laughs> so um, this episode is super interesting though. So I, I know you guys are going to like it as much as I did. So many theories, so many possibilities possibilities. Today we are going to be talking about the death of Henry McCabe out of Minnesota. You know, buckle your seatbelts and take some notes because this is going to be a really interesting one. Other than that, I do have some reviews to read after the show, uh, so stay tuned after the outro music and you can listen to those. Also have a pretty lengthy one-star review, which my listeners on Instagram and in my Facebook group were more than happy to go ahead and get Savage on for me. And besides that, uh, you can always buy me just a beer on, on Venmo. It's at MC Podcast. I do appreciate that. And with that being said, on with the show. This podcast contains adult content. Some of the themes or topics may include information on murder, kidnapping, Torture, dismemberment. Maybe some demonic content. With information on positions. And paranormal activity. This podcast will also include explicit. Horrible and foul. Socially unacceptable. Totally uninhibited. Adult themes language. So if you're easily offended. If you're easily triggered. Then I highly suggest... You turn this off now, and if not, just keep in mind... Parental discretion is advised.
Henry McCabe, who was 32 at the time of his death, was born on September 16, 1984 in Liberia. He came to America in 2003 and he moved to California. Now, he eventually got a couple bachelor's degrees, and he moved to Moundsview, Minnesota, where he was an auditor for the Minnesota Department of Revenue. You're going to see this a lot in this episode, a lot of conflicting reports. I heard that he was happily married to his wife, Kareen, of 11 years, where he had two daughters who were fairly young. I believe one was 10 or 11, the other one was 2. Um, his family was away in California staying with friends at the time of his disappearance and death, but I also heard that he was recently divorced, or I also read, I should say. Yeah, when you go to look up this case, before we go any further, when you go to look up this case, there's a lot of, lot of, lot of news outlets who report the exact same information i mean you can go to any article you're going to get the same information but there's a few strays out there that will give you tidbits a little bit more than others obviously i'll i'll say that when i get to them but it, it was actually pretty 50 50 on the uh him being happily married and him being just recently divorced and the fact that he was going through a rough phase in his life at this time and was dealing with bad work reviews, uh, stuff like that. So on September 6th, 2015, it's Labor Day weekend. He goes to Spring Lake Park, Minnesota. He goes to a bar called Pavlitsky's on 65 with two friends named William Kennedy and Calvin Johnson. Now, they're having some fun, having some drinks, and at about 1.40 a.m. on September 7th, Calvin Johnson says Henry McCabe and his friend William Kennedy leave the bar. William Kennedy is taking Henry McCabe home because he is extremely intoxicated and needs to basically get out of there. I'm pretty sure we've all had those friends. So it's September 7th at about 2 a.m., 20 minutes later, Kennedy says McCabe is absolutely drunk and he wants to be dropped off at Super America Gas Station in Fridley, which is two miles south. It's about a four-minute drive south. Now, the, the kicker about this is, is the bar that he's at, the town and the gas station that he's going to, you, you, you'll see a lot of reports that say, oh, it's in the total opposite direction of his home. It's not in the opposite direction. Okay, that shit is exaggerated. It's just south, about four minutes of the bar that they were at. His home was actually uh, southeast, probably about the same amount of time, like a five, six minute drive to Moundsview. So... There is that piece of information right there. Now, I only read this piece of information in one place, and it says that at 2.20 a.m., his wife calls him. Kareen calls Henry, and he says that he'll call her back. And like I said, this is only one report out of the several that I read. Now, eight minutes later, at 2.28 a.m., roughly 20 minutes later, and this is, this is very conflicting information, okay? The one report from Kareen is that his phone pocket dials her. And she gets a call, and he's screaming, 
sounds like he's in a struggle, and he tells her that somebody shot him. Okay, this is there's no recording of this. There's a reason I'm saying this. There's no recording of this. This is just by her account. Okay, now another report says that he called her, and this is from her account, that he called her, she missed the call, and that the vo- she caught a voicemail of him, you know, screaming and groaning with growling noises and all this other weird stuff, okay? But either way, Corrine tries calling Henry's brother, a guy named Tim Borber, and there's no answer. Now, this is where this information gets conflicting again. One report says that Henry himself tried calling his brother, Tim, and left a voicemail. Alright, and it's these sounds. And I'm going to play this voicemail for you, and it is the creepiest shit you have ever heard. But, basically, he checks his voicemail the next day. And hears it and, you know, is like, what the hell's going on? Blah, blah, blah. Another report says that Kareen, while she's on the phone with Henry, she tries calling Henry's brother, Tim, and his voicemail picks up the last two minutes of this conversation, which is Henry McCabe struggling and groaning and what sounds like crying. Uh, He's in a very distressed situation, but there's various reports of this, and it's very, very frustrating because I tried getting a straight answer, and it's absolutely impossible. But what we do know is that either his voicemail, Henry's brother, or Corrine, Henry's wife, gets a voicemail, and they record two minutes of Henry's call. Okay, now when they check it, they hear high-pitched sounds, They hear him moaning in pain, growling noises. They hear several seconds of silence. And then they hear a male voice saying, stop it. And then they hear more silence. And then Henry's brother, Tim, says it sounds like his brother is crying. Now, around the same time after the call, okay, after this voicemail is captured, around 228, 230 in the morning, His cell phone pings off a cell tower near Creekview Park, which is four miles east of Fridley, which is in New Brighton, Minnesota. Now, shortly after this ping and shortly after the voicemail, the phone goes dead and is absolutely disconnected. Now, what we do know is that Henry made three calls. We know where two of the calls were to. We do not know where the third one is to. That information apparently is privy. I I couldn't find it anywhere. Now, the thing that you have to know, and I'll give you a visual map this out, okay? Because I literally labeled all these places on Google Earth, and I'm going to post it with the episode uh, on Instagram and on Facebook and, and on Twitter too, I suppose. But the next day on September 8th, Henry's brother reports him missing, and the police become suspicious of his friends because they didn't know where he was, there was no bank activity, and these two guys are the last two people to see him alive, and there's a very specific reason that they do get a little bit suspicious of his friends, okay? With that being said, Henry's friend, William Kennedy, 
Around October 15th, after the cops are investigating this, they check security camera footage at the Super America gas station where William Kennedy said that he wanted to be dropped off at and said that he dropped him off there. Well, they don't see any footage of Kennedy dropping off Henry McCabe like he said he did. So William Kennedy actually changes his story and says that he must have been confused. He actually dropped him off at a different gas station called the Holiday Gas Station. Now, police do end up finding security camera footage of him dropping Henry McCabe off at this different gas station. And this is at the Holiday Gas Station at approximately 2.05 a.m. And this is four miles south even more south of the Super America. So all in all, this is about six miles south of the bar that they are at. And all in all, it's about an eight-minute drive. And this is completely south. And this is when Henry McCabe lived to the southeast. It's pretty prominent when you look at the pictures of the stuff. Okay, now the weird thing about this is, is that William Kennedy also had his keys, which... Henry McCabe would have needed to get into his house, all right? Now, I understand taking somebody's keys. I totally do. But when you're dropping them off at a random gas station, when they're literally intoxicated to the point where they can't even drive home, but yet they want to go to some random gas station that's nowhere near their home and you still have their keys and you don't even give them their keys, okay? This is super odd, okay? I mean, it might be coincidental, but it's it's kind of weird. And police also had gotten a tip that William Kennedy might have been involved in his disappearance. On the security camera footage, this is the last time that Henry McCabe is seen alive, okay? Now, police did admit that at that point in time, you know, roughly a month after the incident, month, uh, month and a week or so, that he wasn't really a person of interest, but they did find, you know, his story suspicious. Now, as for the other friend, Calvin Johnson, when he was questioned by police, he turned over Henry's wallet. So you have these two friends that are with him at the bar who took his wallet, took his keys, and then all of a sudden, Henry, you know, Henry McCabe vanishes. Calvin Johnson's reason is a little bit more substantial because he is saying that Henry didn't have very much money because supposedly he was going through this divorce or had recently gone through this divorce and Henry was super intoxicated and he was buying a bunch of drinks and basically spending a bunch of money that he shouldn't have been spending. So Calvin Johnson took it upon himself to take the damn guy, the guy's wallet. Okay, so that's that's the stories that they're sticking to. So with that, like I said, this is the last time that Henry McCabe is seen. You know, his friends are questioned pretty extensively. Uh, William Kennedy as, is seen as a person of interest, and I do believe he is still a suspect at this point in time. Now, on November 2nd, 55 days later, between 4.20 and 4.30 p.m., Henry McCabe's body is found by a kayaker partially submerged face down in the east side of Rush Lake, which is located in New Brighton. 
Now this is about four miles east of the Holiday gas station in Fridley that he was dropped off at. So we do know that this is probably, you know, roughly five, you know, five to ten minute drive. Okay. Now the weird thing about his body is there's no signs of foul play. There's no scratches, no cuts, no injuries, and no gunshot wounds. Like his wife said he had told her in this phone call. Now remember, this part of the phone call was not recorded. This is just what she had said previous to the voicemail when he had either accidentally called her, which she said, she's like, no, his, his phone butt dialed me. But then she also says a different story that, well, no, he called me and said that he had been shot and this and that. So this is where a lot of that conflicting information comes into play. But yeah, there's on his body, when his body is found, there's no injuries at all, like no bruises, no cuts, no scratches, absolutely nothing. No gunshot wounds. Okay. So about a month after his body is found, his death is ruled as a drowning due to heavy drinking. It was an accidental drowning. The cops end up suspending the investigation, you know, and they were actually waiting for toxicology reports. But these toxicology reports have never been released to the public, which is super interesting. And just to add a little bit of twist to this, because I know you guys are thinking, oh, he probably fell in a lake drunk. Trust me, we're going to get to some weird stuff here in a second. The FBI gets involved in the investigation about a month after his body is found. Now, let me ask you something. Why would the FBI get involved in an accidental drowning where his body shows no physical signs of foul play whatsoever? Not to mention the toxicology report has never been released to the public. It's kind of weird, right? So now let's dip a little bit into the facts and theories. But before that, let's stop and listen to a word from our sponsor, which is Shudder.com. As you guys know, I got to take a few minutes here to thank the sponsor for this episode, AMC Shudder. And as you guys also know, this is my favorite sponsor because of the fact I love Shudder. I watch it. A lot of my listeners watch Shudder, so it's really perfect for this show. So let's see what we got. What is AMC Shudder? All right, for those of you who do not know yet, who have not seen this all over social media and Facebook and Twitter, it's from AMC Networks. It's a premium streaming video service, super serving fans of all degrees with the best selection of horror and thriller movies. That's one of the main reasons that I absolutely love it. Shudder's irrepressible and thriving community revels in all things provocative, evocative, and dangerous. From bantering with Shudder on social media, which I have done, and contributing fantastic irreverent reviews, to relishing in member-only perks such as exclusive releases and VIP movie screenings, Shudder believes there is safety in numbers. Don't be left in the dark alone. How can you watch Shudder? You can stream this literally on anything. Your iPhone, iPad, Apple TV, Xbox One, Amazon Fire TV, Google Chromecast, Roku, Android devices. Me personally, I downloaded the uh, Shudder app right to my Android phone because I'm Android for life. And you just go on there, you log on, 
bam, you can sit there and watch movies, original TV shows, everything. You can stream great thrillers, horror, and suspense for $5.99 a month or $56.99 a year. Shudder has the largest, fastest-growing, human-curated selection of thrilling and dangerous entertainment. It is known as the Netflix of horror. So if you're a horror fan, especially with Halloween coming up, you guys are going to love this. For those of you who blow past these advertisements or whatever, you're really missing out. There are always new spine-tingling thrillers, shocking horrors, edge-of-your-seat suspense added every single week. And you'll have unlimited access to stream ad-free on all your devices, which are all the ones I just got done naming. They're unparalleled, alright? Shudder has a unique collection of exclusive and original films and series, horror classics, blockbuster hits, and I mean, you can get old classic slasher flicks, you can get original TV shows, you can get original movies. There's so much on there, it's absolutely amazing. So check this out. Get started streaming the best horror, thriller, and supernatural content. Shudder's expertly curated collection includes titles like the acclaimed Tigers Are Not Afraid, One Cut of the Dead, Revenge, and the new Creepshow TV series, which is an absolute favorite of mine. I was so happy when they uh, released that. They actually reached out to me and they're like, hey, you want to try to advertise this a little bit? And I'm like, it's Creepshow. You guys rebooted it. Yeah, I'm going to freaking advertise for it come on now it's produced by greg nicotero and it's based on the famous films by george romero so i mean there's not too many ways you can go wrong there so here's the deal you can try shutter free for 30 days go to shutter.com use the promo code mc podcast s-h-u-d-d-e-r.com type in the promo code mc podcast get one month for free I have had so many people message me and they're like, dude, thank you so much for uh, for giving us this promo code. They ended up subscribing because it's not even that expensive when you do go to subscribe. So they get a chance to check everything out for, for absolutely nothing. And then they end up subscribing because there's so much stuff on here. Now, remember, Shutter is one of the coolest partnerships that I've ever had with an advertiser because we both have the same interests, obviously. My listeners love watching this stuff. I love watching this stuff. It's one of those really harmonious arrangements, you know what I'm saying? And and just so you know, if you're wondering, here's some of the things, like I said, that they do have. They have Creepshow, which is a Shudder original. They they're totally they released a whole new series on it. Tigers are not afraid. It's a Shudder exclusive. One Cut of the Dead, a Shudder exclusive. They got Horror Noir, which is a Shudder original documentary, which they actually have horror documentaries on there as well. They have all kinds of stuff for everybody. They have Lizzie, a Shudder exclusive. They have Mandy, which is starring Nicolas Cage. Like I said, they got those old slasher flicks too that everybody loves. They got, you know, collections like Vengeance is Hers, Dario Argento, they have horror comedies. I mean, they literally have everything for everybody. So like I said, you get one month free. Go to Shudder.com, S-H-U-D-D-E-R.com, use the promo code MCPODCAST, and enjoy that one month for free, and you guys can thank me later. Now back to the show. All right, here we go. Facts and theories. Check this out. 
there's a few little things that I thought were weird that might go into some facts and theories, and I'm going to point some of these out, okay? Now, when he's calling these people, he, like I said, he reportedly called three different people, two of which we do know about. Was he calling these people because he was in trouble? You know, were they accidental calls? Were they pocket dials? Were there anything like that? Like I said, his wife says in one interview her call was a pocket dial, but then in another interview she says that he had purposely called her and they talked and he said that he had been shot and that's why she called his brother. So, again, very conflicting information on that. That's kind of odd. Now, another thing that we have to know is his wife is the only person who says he told her he had been shot. There's no record of this anywhere, so this is only by her account. I'm not saying she's lying, but it is something to keep in mind that she is literally the only person to say this, but yet his body showed absolutely no signs of anything, let alone any kind of gunshot wound, which is super interesting. Maybe she misheard him. You know, that's a very good possibility. We don't know. Now, in the phone call, you know, supposedly he was super super distressed. So we just don't really know. Another interesting fact is the police and um, the Minnesota Community Police, which they help in searches and stuff like that with the actual police, they helped raise $10,000 for a reward in the beginning of this case. Now, after a month, okay, in October, they pulled this reward. And the reason they pulled this reward is because they said that Henry McCabe's wife was withholding information because she was trying to um, sway the public, okay? Now, in the Valley News article, October 25th, 2015, and like this is, uh, I think, like a month and three weeks after his initial disappearance. This is before his body is actually found. This article says, a few days after McCabe's wife hired a new agency to assist with the search, Minnesota Community Police released a recording to all local media, which they claim is a conversation with Kareen McCabe, saying she has evidence indicating her husband is still alive. A guy named Dave Singleton of the Minnesota Community Police says in the same article, quote, she is purposely withholding information that we believe could lead to the location and recovery of Henry McCabe. We feel like we have all been misled. We have an ethical and moral obligation to the community and to this organization to do the right thing, end quote. So this $10,000 reward that they had helped get to try to get Henry McCabe found, returned safely, any tips, any information, they pull it because apparently they have this recording and they released it to the local public. So that also should be known. That is a super interesting fact, and that is super sketchy, okay? Now, another thing that bothered me about this is a personal thing, a couple personal things that I picked up on. First of all, if he was so adamant, I mean, given that it's out of the way, if he was so adamant about being dropped off at the Supermerica gas station in, in Fridley, why did his friend drop him off at the Holiday gas station? 
you know, this is a longer distance south. This is further away from his home. You know, nobody, I'm not 100% sure where, where William Kennedy was residing at the time, but I thought that was a really interesting fact because he straight up says, no, he wanted to be dropped off at the Super America in Fridley, which is out of the way, first off, for a drunk guy. And don't get me wrong, like, if you haven't been that drunk person in the passenger's seat of your friend's car, I mean, have you ever really lived? And I know some of you are probably rolling your eyes like, this guy's a fucking drunk. I can't believe he thinks everybody has been this person. But listen, when you have a drunk person, okay, in your passenger seat and they want to go somewhere else other than their home, I, I hate saying this, but at a certain point, it's almost like, I just want this fucking person out of my car because one, they might be belligerent. Two, they might be annoying as shit. Three, who knows if William Kennedy was even drunk. I per I honestly do not think for a second that William Kennedy was sober during this whole ordeal. And I could see that being the reason that he messed up the locations of the gas stations when he initially reported the you know where he dropped him off to the cops i could see that being the case all right he could have been super drunk too he could have just been less drunk than than henry mccabe but on the other hand if this dude is so you know maybe that gas station was closed so they're like fuck it let's go down to the holiday gas station you can do whatever you need to do there but there's also the flip side of the thing. Like if you have a friend who's that um, inebriated in your passenger seat, don't fucking take them somewhere out of their way. Dude, just take them home. You know what I mean? So I have a lot of conflicting in theories and feelings about that personally. Shouldn't even say theories. I should say like hypotheses, but you know, so... The walk, another little thing that I did is I literally mapped out all these locations, including where his body was found, where the cell phone pinged, where, his, where uh, he was dropped off at, and where he lived. I, I, I mapped these all out on Google Earth, and I actually timed them out like walking distance, okay? Now, the walk from the Holiday gas station where he was dropped off to where... His body was found in New Brighton. This is directly east by four miles. Now, if you're walking, this is a one hour and 15 minute walk. And that is if you are at a sober, steady pace walking. As you know from the timeline that I just pulled out stating the case, you, we have some inconsistencies here. It, it, it would take him an hour and 15 minutes to get where his body was found, but yet... He was dropped off at 2.05, and this is verified by security camera footage, but yet the call that he gets is, sounds like it's underwater, okay, and this is, this is at 2.28 a.m., this is literally 20 minutes later. How did he get from point A to point B by walking? How did he get there? And by the way, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and play this voicemail right now before we go any further so you guys can see exactly what I'm talking about.
Okay, so that was pretty weird, right? The the thing about this voicemail is the full two minutes has never been released to the public. They've only released this snippet, and to be honest with you, half the time people stop it, you know, when it's on YouTube, they stop it, and they have to talk about it every five seconds, and it's just like, just play the fucking full audio for 12 seconds and shut up. So I clipped a bunch of stuff out to try to make it, you know, the full audio. So super weird, right? And it also sounds like when you call somebody or your phone is underwater and accidentally might call somebody, it might short circuit, something like that. It sounds like a screaming underwater, somebody struggling, trying to swim, something like that. You got to remember, this is September in Minnesota. Anybody that hits water at 2.30, 2 45, 3 a.m. in the morning in September in Minnesota, if your body goes in some water, it's going to be cold. It's going to be cold. And it's not probably not going to be cold enough to cause hypothermia. But at the same time, you're going to know. And, you know, and uh, being fully clothed, being intoxicated, heavily intoxicated from what the report says. And like I said, we never got the toxicology report. So we don't actually know if this guy was drunk or not. This is just going from various reports where the two last people to see him alive because this toxicology report has never been released. So just keep that in mind as well. Another thing that I found, the Holiday Gas Station to Creekview Park, the last place that his cell phone pinged off of, is within walking distance to the northeast about 45 minute walk. Okay. So even if he's walking, there's no way that he can make that time in 20 minutes. There's no way if he's walking. He had to have been in a car with somebody. Somebody had to have picked him up. Now I will say this though. Just because your cell phone pings off of a tower doesn't necessarily mean that that's the closest tower that you're that you're to, you know, the, the closest, you know, cell phone tower that your phone is, is to it. What it does mean is that that is the strongest tower at that point in time that is picking up your cell phone signal. So, you know, with that bit of information, I did learn that in an episode I did a couple years ago about AJ Hadley. I found that out. So that also is some information. I think people credit him with being, you know, by Creekview Park in that general vicinity because his cell phone pinged off that tower. Just because his cell phone pinged off that tower doesn't mean that it was the closest tower. It just means that that tower was the strongest that picked up his signal at that point in time. So you do have to remember that, all right? Another thing, Rush Lake, where his body was found, is surrounded by heavy brush. There's not much forest there. There's not any creeks leading into the lake, which means his body wasn't dumped in a creek and then his, you know, it just kind of floated into that, that lake. That's, that's not like his body would have to be dumped there. It would have had to be dumped there. And there's also not many roads around. Now, a lot of people, when they listen to the cell phone, I mean, they attribute maybe he was attacked by coyotes, you know, some wolves, some kind of wild animal, possibly a bear. And that's why he's 
you know, in this distress, and that's why you hear the growling sound. I, I shit you not as well. People have even associated Sasquatch, aka fucking Bigfoot, with this case, and I'm not even going to entertain that idea. All right. I'm not saying I'm a disbeliever in the whole fucking Bigfoot thing, but no, we're not going to fucking do that on this episode. All right. Personally, I think the growling sound that people hear, and this is just my personal opinion, I, I think that's from his phone being underwater, whether he was in the lake or something of that nature. Not a hundred percent sure, but I think that's where that growling sound comes from. So that all, you know, all that information about the lake and the general vicinity around the lake, that is also very, very good information to have. Now, one of, uh, you know, the other theories here is an accident. Somehow he makes it to a body of water. Somehow he makes it to, to Rush Lake. You know, whether it was by car, maybe he was dead sprinting there for four miles. You know, we don't exactly know. You know, if he was on his way home from the Holiday gas station, this is another, this is another interesting fact. So if, if he was walking from the Holiday gas station to Moundsview where he lived, which would have probably been like a two hour walk, Creekview Park, where his cell phone was pinged off of, is literally right in that direct path. It's right in the middle. The whole weird thing about, you know, that too is if you draw, if you put a dot at Super America Speedway, which is Speedway now, Super America Gas Station, and you go directly down and draw a dot at Holiday Gas Station, now you take those two points, draw them out to like a triangle point, at Rush Lake and draw a dot there. Creekview Park is dead center in the middle of these three locations. Now, if you're drawing that line from Holiday Gas Station to Moundsview, where he lived, going to the northeast, Creekview Park, dead center on the path to that. But this dude would have had to walk through some serious terrain at 2.30 in the morning. I mean, through a couple small, I mean, really small bodies of water. It looks like there's some farmland there, some heavy brush, maybe a couple small, I wouldn't even say forests, but some, you know, some small forest areas. So I'm not 100% sure that that was the case, but it is worth noting. Now, another thing, like, the whole accident scenario. If his body was underwater and the phone accidentally dialed his wife or accidentally dialed his brother. So you're telling me that a cell phone accidentally dials two numbers in a row, which are the two people that he is closest with in this world that are in the area. And then one of them ends up leaving a voicemail but then directly after these calls, the phone is totally disconnected and is lost forever. The signal, everything. Now, being in the water, I could see that being a possibility. Now, is it a crazy coincidence that the two people this cell phone would have accidentally called while being underwater were his either wife or ex-wife and his brother? You know, that's a hard coincidence to to try to get behind. I think that's a little bit odd, and that should also be noted. 
Now, one of the other theories is maybe he was being held underwater by somebody else. There is a theory of the Smiley Face Killer. Smiley Face Killer being, you know, a huge group of serial killers that operate everywhere. And it's so funny because somebody actually, I think, left me a review or sent me a message. They're like, hey, the Smiley Face Killer just isn't in Boston. Yeah, I, I realize that. You know, you know, speaking back to my William Hurley episode, it's like, yeah, I realize that, but... We're also not talking about anywhere else other than Boston right now. But it's basically this network of serial killers. You know, young guys, young college-age guys, they're usually drowned. Their bodies are found in bodies of water. And apparently waterboarding is a technique that, that has been used. I only just now found out about that little piece of information. So I can't... 100 I don't I'm not 100% confident in that information I don't know how how somebody would know that you know like oh yeah the smiley face killer they fucking use waterboarding like how how do you know that you know what I'm saying so that does bring up a really good point though so maybe he was being held underwater and drowned by somebody okay two things one what's the motive why like why there's there's literally no motive and in all honesty uh when you're looking at the smiley face killers uh there really isn't any distinguished or any motive that stands out you know they just seem like random killings just for the sake of killings you know what i mean but if he was being attacked maybe that would explain the word stop it you know, by a male voice before it goes silent. So, you know, maybe that is a possibility. The one thing I have about the smiley face killer theory is the age, the, the MO. Henry McCabe was not in his early twenties. He was not a preppy type white guy. Um, Henry McCabe was a Liberian immigrant who worked for the Department of Revenue in Minnesota. You know, I'm not saying that's out of the realm of possibilities that he was a victim of that, but it is something to take into consideration. So another thing that we have to think about is the growling. Uh, was he attacked by a wild animal and fell in the lake and drowned? Okay, there's no marks on his body. Okay, you know, there's no evidence of that, let alone the fact that the lake his body was found in was not heavily... There wasn't much forest around that area, so it's hard to say that there's any wolves or coyotes out that way. So that part doesn't really make sense. Like I said, unfortunately, people will associate fucking Bigfoot and Sasquatch with this case. I mean, let's try to keep it real here, people. You know, I'm I'm all about looking into cryptids. I enjoy that stuff. I honestly believe Mothman was... Was a cryptid a real thing? But in this particular case, I really don't see that being a possibility. Now, there was a Reddit thread that I read, and this, believe it or not, was written by Robin Warder, who does A Trail Went Cold. Now, apparently, I haven't listened to any other podcasts on this case. It's not a very long case, you know? I mean, we're literally looking at maybe 40, 45 minutes on this. Um, There's not very much information on it. I'm sure... You know, some podcasts can probably drag it out to two or three parts somehow, but there's not that much information. I I did read in this Reddit th- thread from Robin, 
somebody commented that, you know, maybe that growling sound was from an overdose of drugs. You know, and some people do think that he might have had some rehypnol. You know, he might have been roofied at the fucking bar in order to either rob him or, you know, just basically kill him or even steal his identity. We don't know. But some people do say that these growling sounds sound like somebody overdosing on a drug. Now, if he was drugged at the bar, we don't know because we don't have that toxicology report. That is not public information, which is, like I've said a couple times now, super interesting. All right, the next theory that we do have is, unfortunately, the suicide theory. He had just recently gotten a bad bad review at work he didn't have much money to him he had recently bounced a rent check he had marriage problems i mean all of these do add up to a scenario of somebody possibly taking their own life but there are so many other scenarios here that don't add up to where that's probably not my favorite theory. I mean, it is something that I would keep in the back of my head, but given all the other information that you've heard, I mean, I'm pretty sure we all can agree that it is a theory with some substance, with some context to it, but with all the information that we do have about this case it's just not as likely as some of the other theories so i will go ahead and say that so with that being said i would absolutely love to hear what you guys think about this case if there's something i missed you know if there's a detail i got wrong if you guys heard even a different conflicting report on some various information let me know love to hear it I gotta give a huge shout out to Minnesota Spokesman Recorder, which is online. They did an investigative series on this case, which was extremely detailed and very, very well done. I will say that I only found the part one. Supposedly, this was supposed to be an investigative series, and I only found a part one to the, to this quote unquote series. So I'm not sure if there's a part two or a part three or whatever out there. But uh, it, that, that article right there had some very detailed and good information in it. So I do got to say that. You know, with that being said, if you want to email me, go to justin.mcpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at podcastmc. You can follow me on Instagram at mysterious underscore podcast you can also follow my personal account which is at burn it all 13 i've kind of like slowed down on accepting the uh, facebook friend requests what i did do though i i've got to try to start separating um you know my personal life from from this life so what i did was i created a page if you go to jay rimmel was in my last name i mean actually if you go to my even my personal Facebook, you can look at my pages and it's like right there. There's a link to it. Um, you're still going to get the shit post memes and, and articles and all that good stuff that I usually post, but it's, you're not actually on my friend list. You're just liking or following a page. So you can do that as well. You can join the Facebook group. You can like the podcast Facebook page, you know, hang out. I want to hear some theories and talk to you guys about some weird shit. Pretty sure that's all I got for you. And like I said, if you want to hear some reviews, stick around after the music.
Till next time, see you folks on the flip side. All right, let's see what kind of fuckery we have in the iTunes reviews here. First one is five stars from Pretty Gal WA, Washington, I'm assuming. A lovable pain in the arse. <laughs> so I stumbled so I stumbled onto this podcast on a long drive to a soccer game. Welcome to my life. It's awesome. Thanks for asking. I digress. I was instantly sucked in and have remained sucked in because of the geniusness of Justin and the effort he puts into his research. I like that he brings other theories that he wouldn't necessarily have come up with, but in fairness to the subject matter he's speaking about, feels different POVs should be addressed. Thank you. I, <laughs> I'm i very adamant about that. Thank you for, for acknowledging that. <clears throat> I appreciate intelligence. I appreciate real. I appreciate unpolished. It makes the work far more authentic to me. For those who randomly complain about the cursing, if you can't be bothered to listen to a disclaimer, then we can't be bothered to care about your delicate sensibilities that are offended. Perhaps taking that extra 12 seconds to hear what said disclaimers are to begin with would make everyone that much happier. Though I assure you, we'd miss the roasting roastings enormously. Keep up the good work. Your fans appreciate the hell out of you, and I'm one who personally feels lucky to get a peek into your brain at Timer 7. <laughs> uh, P.S. This is my first ever review for this stuff. You know you're doing something right. If, uh, if, I'm comp if it compelled me to let you know publicly uh, when I could easily just have told you privately, uh, most definitely earned. Well, thank you very, very much, and I know this is from Meg. I know it is out in Washington, WA, but no, thank you for, for finally leaving a review. Thank you. Uh, you know, even though that fucking took forever, you know, um, next one, we got four stars from Penny girl, one, two, three, four. This one's a little rough. It says, uh, like it says four stars it says, can't, I can't with the lisp. Um, it says I can't listen because of Roseanne's lisp. Honestly, I really don't. I really didn't even notice she had a lisp to be to be honest about it. I maybe I missed it, I don't know. You know, I I will say me and Roseanne do have another episode coming up. I love working with her. She is an amazing podcaster, amazing researcher. She is a super cool lady. Like she's just all around fun to work with and and all that good stuff. So I do you know, apologize. I, I guess I just didn't didn't really notice it. Um, <laughs> this one is cool. It's from Ice Ice Katie. <laughs> it's five stars. Says awesome. I love true crime and I love this podcast. I love hearing the host tell the stories and get so deep into it. He makes me feel like I'm right in the middle of the story. So keep up the work. Uh, keep up the good work because you are great. Uh, I would also like to hear some stories from Georgia where I live and you are the second person to say that. And I, I am still currently going through a few cases in Georgia. If I, if I do one, I want to make sure it's one that is less known and something worth our time. So, uh, I am still scaling around a little bit. Uh, all those were from America. I'm pretty damn sure we don't have any from any foreign countries. 
I am pretty sure that is all that we got except for this one star review from the USA. This is the one you guys have all been waiting for, I'm sure. It is from Pirateer2007. And judging by my shitty research, I'm pretty sure that's the mascot of the high school that he graduated at in 2007 out in Washington. But, you know. It's a one star. It says, meh. This is the best part. Okay, check this out. It's the best part. In parentheses, it says, disclaimer. Don't feel the need to read this one on air. <laughs> it's like, fucking kidding me? Totally gonna read it on air. Like, I'm fucking all about it now. I mean, I was going to before anyway, but th this one's just better. It says, I gave it three episodes, <clears throat> but the lack of preparedness comes through loud and clear. If the host would spend as much time telling the facts of each story as he does on the ads, reading reviews, and thanking his Patreons, which it's patrons, you know, since you're so smart, uh, this may be a worthwhile endeavor. Some things that can be worked on to produce a better listening experience. I swear to God, this is bullet points. One is better research. Two, less cursing. Three, better preparedness. Four, quit scratching your face or beard while recording. Five, think what you're going to say ahead of time to avoid the uh, um, and the long pauses. Quit talking about yourself all the time. You begin each episode with saying, let's try to solve the unsolvable, and that's in quotes, and yet you do no solving. You don't posit any thoughts or possible solutions. This is just my opinion, and I expect that you will disregard it, and that is one of the few things that I enjoyed about what I listened to. You have a great conversational way of talking. I hope this finds you well. Well, uh, Pirateer, it did find me fucking well. And um, I'm just going to go ahead and say a few things before I read what my listeners had to chime in about this. Okay, better research. First of all, when you use the same fucking handle on everything, that includes starting threads on the fucking internet or leaving reviews for other various fucking things, don't use the same fucking thing. Anybody can find it. Okay, first of all, you're a boring motherfucker. You literally started a thread on fucking baits and lures for fishing. Like, granted, I'm a fisherman too, but dude, if you have that fucking much spare time on your hands... To where you literally start a thread in a fucking forum about this shit? You need to quit listening to podcasts. Maybe go get yourself a piece of ass every now and then. Alright? So there's what I have to say about my shitty fucking research. Less cursing. I'm just gonna go ahead and let you listen to the last 30 seconds and that's what I think about that. Better preparedness. I'm fucking very well prepared. And, uh, let's see, quit scratching your face or beard while recording. No, motherfucker, because when it starts growing out, it itches a little bit. So I'm going to fucking scratch it, okay? Think about what you're going to say ahead of time to avoid the uh, um, and long pauses. Well, here's the deal. I am not a scripted podcast. I am a conversational podcast. There's a difference. Conversational, sometimes a motherfucker has to stop and think what he's going, think about what he's going to say. Or some idea that he's going to propose. Those are called filler words. And yes, I know I fucking do them sometimes. But I gotta think about what I'm saying because I run on notes. I'm a conversational podcast, not a scripted one. 
All right, quit talking about yourself all the time. This is my motherfucking show. I'll talk about myself as much as I want to. Besides that fact, I really don't talk about myself that much. You begin each episode with saying, let's try to solve the unsolvable. No, I do not. Here's where you're fucked up. You said you listened to three episodes. You listened to the last three shortest episodes that I fucking did. How I know that is because those are the only three fucking episodes that I have ever, ever, at the beginning, said, quote, let's try to solve the unsolvable, or let's try to solve a mystery. Anybody want to go back and fact check me? Go right the fuck ahead. Only three episodes I ever fucking did that on, and that's verbatim. Oh, God damn it, that beer tastes good. Does that fucking bother you, Pirateer? Me drinking fucking beer? You know what? Barry light up a fucking cigarette right now, too. I don't even fucking need one. I'm just doing it because. I hope it annoys you. You're probably fucking triggered right now in your mom's fucking basement. Hard telling, I don't know. Uh, you begin, okay, let's see. You do no solving. You don't posit any new thoughts or possible solutions. Contrary to popular belief, and this goes for fucking everybody, there is no motherfucking podcast that has ever solved a fucking crime. Ever. There's a few motherfuckers out there that claim they fucking did, but in reality, they did not. (laughs) They either had good timing and were doing a podcast when somebody turned their fucking self in, or they just happened to be working a case that got fucking solved while they fucking made a podcast or before they did a podcast. So contrary to popular belief, no podcaster has ever solved a fucking crime. I'm probably not going to be the fucking first, okay? My job isn't to solve crimes. My job is to tell you guys about these fucking crimes. Blah, blah, blah. I didn't disregard this fucking review. Let's see what we fucking got. What I do when I post these is I tell people, I'm like, best, best comments get read on the podcast. And there were a lot of fucking comments on this one. I think there's about 25 or 30 of them, something like that. This one is from Ban One Actual. Says, this fuckwit calling themselves pirateer because the Muppets jerked off in their eye requiring a patch. I take personal offense to these one-star reviews. And it's um, not me talking dear pirateer. You should be broken like a shotgun and horse-fucked by a spike bat. <laughs> I don't even know. I literally didn't even I the only fucking reply to that I could give I literally, I commented back and it was just the laughing my ass off emoji you know what I mean Robin in the treetop says I suspect this person has one hell of a great podcast actually I took a couple screenshots of some other reviews that this person left and one of them particularly on a podcast I can't remember the name of he did the exact same fucking thing like set out bullet points in the review of how to make their podcast really fucking good it was the greatest shit ever oh what do we got here this one is uh this one says rhymes with Christopher He says you have a great conversational way of talking, then critiques things that make for good conversation. The casual tone, spontaneous interjections, personal stories, and fuck tons of swearing. You know what? Rhymes with Christopher? Absolutely fucking right. (laughs) Irene uh, Cintron. I hope that's Cintron. I don't know how to pronounce your last name. uh, We've been following each other for a long time. Uh, but she says, quit scratching your face beard while recording. That was my favorite. Do you do that, Justin? Crazy people. You know what? I very rarely do it, but when I do do it, yeah, you can fucking hear it. 
Oh, what else we got? Conservative Viking says the fact that this guy is trying to give you podcast advice is laughable. The lack of insight this shows is embarrassing. Carrie J23 says, I'll never understand how people can be so negative about free content. Even if something's not for me, I'm not going to rate it low. You put so much work into the podcast and it shows. Keep up the great work and don't let this type of asshat get to you. I fucking love it. Uh, A-Bomb, good friend of mine, man, from Canada, he says, I don't understand the reviews knocking the research. I'm... Um, no expert, but it seems like you do some pretty extensive research to me. The cursing complaints always make me laugh too. Who's, who's making or who's writing these reviews? You know what? I wish I fucking knew the answer to that because some of these people make themselves look really fucking dumb and then I have to fucking get savage and then it makes me look petty. It's just an all around lose, lose situation, you know? Okay. Uh. Let's see what we have in the Facebook group. Wendy Babb says, did it find you well, though? I just said, oh, yes. Yes, it did. Oh, <laughs> uh, what do we got? Of course, Heather fucking busted out. So she's like, I feel like this person is listening to a different show. It's like, yeah. <laughs> Shadira says, this person skipped the disclaimer. It's like, yeah, obviously. Oh, yeah. Here's uh, the homemade lures and baits fucking thread. That you started. And uh, I realize you're super into guns. But I also noticed that you can't figure out the difference between your Marlin rifles. That's another thing my shitty research fucking helped me find out. Get your shit together, dude. SpokaneGunTrader.com That's how bad my research is. <sighs> Spokane, Washington. Uh, Daniel Davis. Disclaimer, some dumbasses have their eyes and ears painted on. Three episodes in, eh? Well, this review is about as good as good as looking at someone and just knowing they're not the person for you. Fuck it. Dive in, listen to some more, take more effort to listen to a podcast, then write a review. Better research and less cursing. Well, fuck me and call me Skippy. The research is on point, and so is the swearing. Uh, more on point than this person's spidey senses. It is just me, or, or is uh, this idiot under the impression that giving the honest opinion is talking about yourself? The funniest part of this review is the uh, less effort thanking Patreons, reading reviews and ads. The best way to describe this is, stop making me laugh, I'm going to piss myself. <laughs> and uh, we're going to go ahead and stop there. Trust me, there's a lot more savagery in those fucking comments. They're uh, Pirateer 2007. But anyway, the whole last, you know, five, six, seven minutes, however fucking long that was, is dedicated to you. So I hope you like that. For the rest of you guys, see you on the flip side.